you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Hey, repeat listeners, it's me again, Annie Gilbertson. So I've got an update for you on the investigation into Deputy Gonzalo Nzunza's shooting of Tanel Billups. I got a call from Jackie Venters, whom you may remember, Billups's kid's grandma. And she said Billups recently had received a letter in prison, signed by L.A. County Sheriff Jim McDonnell. Jackie texted me a picture of the letter. It says, Dear Mr. Billups, I've received your complaint alleging the investigation into your case contained false statements, conflicting statements, and excessive force. Your complaint will be immediately reviewed by Lieutenant Victor Lewandowski, and you will be notified upon its completion. So my next step was clear. Hi, you've reached Lieutenant Victor Lewandowski of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department's Homicide Bureau. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you. Thank you. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Lieutenant Lewandowski hasn't gotten back to me. Though the thoroughness of this shooting investigation was always one of the big questions for me. And Zunza had told investigators Billups pointed a gun at him and his partner. Then investigators talked to Billups, and he denied having a gun. He also lied to them. Billups, you'll remember, was later convicted. I still have questions about what happened in that shooting and whether Billups's claims were thoroughly investigated. I told Sheriff Jim McDonald as much. It's clear that it's in the homicide record that the suspect told investigators that he did not have a gun, but I don't see that it was followed up from the records I have. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what records you have. We can take another look at it and see what was done uh, in furtherance of that. Yeah. Okay. So the question for me is, will this new investigation unearth new facts? I did a little research. I found a sheriff's document called Procedures for Public Complaints. It's different from the inspector general investigation, which I told you about in our last update. For these complaints, it appears sheriff's officials can talk to people involved and potentially gather new information. The time it takes varies from a few days to several months. The sheriff's department follows up in writing to tell the person who complained what it decided. It may find there wasn't enough information to substantiate allegations of misconduct. Or it may find the complaint justified. I'm staying on it, and I'm going to keep you updated. But I'm also here to give you a heads up about what we're working on next and how you might be able to help. Our team has spent years going deep on law enforcement in Southern California, but now we're expanding our focus to prosecutors. It's their job to represent the people, to seek justice on their behalf. But many people's ideas of justice are changing. And our prosecutors can make decisions that are either in line with these beliefs or not. As of this morning, prosecutors had not made a decision on whether they'd file charges in against In Minnesota today, prosecutors Dalvin closed Williams. the investigation into the death of Prince, and no criminal charges will be filed. A North County bombshell, no criminal charges for the doctor. A look at what's happening right now as prosecutors decide whether to refile a charge the against the governor. The immunity came because prosecutors wanted Jenkins on the stand and used a perjury charge against her as leverage. Prosecutors, prosecutors decide who to charge and for what. They can influence whether a defendant is allowed out on bail or must remain in jail. So if you think about it, county by county, 
prosecutors' choices can affect policing, prisons, and people's lives. And here's where you come in. We want to hear your stories and get your insights. Have you faced charges? Do you have a relative or a friend who has? Did the experience change your view of the justice system? Or maybe you're a prosecutor, a public defender, or someone else who works in criminal justice. We want your stories, too. Please get in touch. It's easy. Go to kpcc.org law. That's law, L-A-W. You've spent a lot of time hearing from me, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Lastly, if you're in the market for another investigative podcast, I've got one for you. It's called In the Dark. Season two takes you on reporter Madeline Barron's journey through small town Mississippi as she investigates the case of a man facing a powerful local prosecutor. I've lived and reported in Mississippi myself, and I've got to tell you, the people and places in this podcast are immediately recognizable, as is the sense of injustice. In the Dark is an investigative true crime podcast that is truly addicting. Here's Madeline to tell you more about it. Almost 21 years ago, a young Black man named Curtis Flowers was convicted of a horrific crime, the murder of four people in a small town in Mississippi. He won his appeal, but the prosecutor tried him again. He's now been tried six times for the crime, and a lot of people think he's innocent. I just don't think he's done it. I just don't think that. Show me some evidence. Hey, where are the facts? Where are the proof? Mississippi, Mississippi, you know, we all know what goes on in Mississippi. Once we get you in the courtroom, you're ours. If you're black, we got you. I'm Madeline Barron, host of In the Dark, a Peabody Award-winning investigative podcast from American Public Media. We're looking at the story of a man caught in a terrifying loop of injustice, a story of one man's fight for his life. In the Dark Season 2 begins May 1st. Listen and subscribe now on Apple Podcasts.